Section 3 of The Natural History, Volume 7. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Melissa Kingsbury. The Natural History, Volume 7, by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 3, Book 31, Chapters 33 to 42. Chapter 33, The Uses of Seawater, The Advantages of a Sea Voyage. Seawater also is employed in a similar manner for the cure of diseases. It is used, made hot, for the cure of pains in the sinews, for reuniting fractured bones, and for its desiccative action upon the body for which last purpose it is also used cold. There are numerous other medicinal resources derived from the sea. The benefits of a sea voyage, more particularly, in cases of thysis, as already mentioned, and where patients are suffering from hemoptysis, as lately experienced in our own memory by Aeneas Gallu at the close of his consulship. For it is not for the purpose of visiting the country that people so often travel to Egypt, but in order to secure the beneficial results arising from a long sea voyage. Indeed, the very seasickness that is caused by the rocking of the vessel to and fro is good for many affections of the head, eyes, and chest. All those cases, in fact, in which the patient is recommended to drink an infusion of hellebore. Medical men consider seawater, employed by itself, highly efficacious for the dispersion of tumors, and boiled with barley meal for the successful treatment of imposthumas of the parotid glands. It is used also as an ingredient in plasters, white plasters more particularly, and for emollient poultices. Seawater is very good, too, employed as a shower bath. And it is taken internally, though not without injury to the stomach, both as a purgative and as an expellent, by vomit and by alvine evacuation of black bile or coagulated blood, as the case may be. Some authorities prescribe it, taken internally, for quartan fevers, as also for tenesmus and diseases of the joints, purposes for which it is kept a considerable time to mellow with age, and so lose its noxious properties. Some again are for boiling it, but in all cases it is recommended to be taken from out at sea and untainted with the mixture of fresh water, an emetic also being taken before using it. When used in this manner, vinegar or wine is generally mixed with the water. Those who give it unmixed recommend radishes with oxymal to be eaten upon it, in order to provoke vomiting. Seawater, made hot, is used also as an injection, and there is nothing in existence preferred to it as a fomentation for swellings of the testes, or for chillblains before they ulcerate. It is similarly employed also for the cure of prurigo, itch scab, and lichens. Lice and other foul vermin of the head are removed by the application of seawater, and lividities of the skin are restored to their natural color, it being a remarkably good plan in such cases after applying the seawater to foment the parts with hot vinegar. It is generally considered, too, that seawater is highly efficacious for the stings of venomous insects, those of the phalangium and scorpion, for example, 
and as an antidote to the poisonous secretions of the asp, known as the tias, in all which cases it is employed hot. Fumigations are also made of it, with vinegar, for the cure of headache. And, used warm as an injection, it allays griping pains in the bowels and cholera. Things that have been heated in seawater are longer than ordinary in cooling. A seawater bath is an excellent corrective for swelling of the bosoms in females, affections of the thoracic organs, and emaciation of the body. The steam also of seawater boiled with vinegar is used for the removal of hardness of hearing and headache. An application of seawater very expeditiously removes rust upon iron. It is curative also of scab in sheep and imparts additional softness to the wool. Chapter 34. How Artificial Seawater May Be Made in Places at a Distance from the Sea I am by no means unaware that these details may very possibly appear superfluous to persons who live at a distance from the sea. But scientific research has made provision against this objection by discovering a method of enabling every one to make seawater for himself. It is a singular fact in connection with this discovery that if more than one sextarius of salt is put into four sextarii of water, the liquefying properties of the water will be overpowered and the salt will no longer melt. On the other hand, again, a mixture of one sextarius of salt with four sextarii of water acts as a good substitute for the efficacy and properties of the very saltest sea water. The most reasonable proportion, however, is generally thought to be eight sciati of salt diluted in the quantity of water above mentioned. A preparation which has been found to have a warming effect upon the sinews without in any degree chafing the body. Chapter 35. How Thalassomeli is made. There is also a composition made to ripen for use, known as Thalassomeli, and prepared with equal parts of seawater, honey, and rainwater. For this purpose also, the water is brought from out at sea, and the preparation is kept in an earthen vessel well pitched. It acts most efficiently as a purgative, and without in the least fatiguing the stomach. The taste, too, and the smell of it are very agreeable. Chapter 36 How Hydromeli is Made Hydromeli also was a mixture formerly made with pure rainwater and honey, and was prescribed for patients who were anxious for wine as being a more harmless drink. For these many years past, however, it has been condemned as having, in reality, all the inconveniences of wine without the advantages. Chapter 37 Methods of Providing Against the Inconvenience of Drinking Suspected Water As persons out at sea often suffer great inconvenience from the want of fresh water, we will here describe some methods of obviating it. Fleeces are spread round the ship, and on becoming moistened with the exhalations arising from the sea, the water is wrung from them and found to be quite fresh. Hollow balls of wax also, or empty vessels sealed at the mouth, upon being let down into the sea in a net, become filled with water that is fresh and potable. On shore, too, sea water may be made fresh by filtering it through argillaceous earth. By swimming in water of any kind, sprains of the limbs in man or beast are reduced with the greatest facility. 
Persons, when traveling, are sometimes apprehensive that the use of water, the quality of which is unknown to them, may prove injurious to their health. As a precaution against this, they should drink the suspected water cold, immediately after leaving the bath. Chapter 38. Six Remedies Derived from Moss. Remedies Derived from Sand. Moss which has grown in water is excellent as a topical application for gout, and, in combination with oil, it is good for pains and swellings in the ankles. The foam that floats upon the surface of the water, used as a friction, causes warts to disappear. The sand, too, of the seashore, that more particularly which is very fine and burnt white by the heat of the sun, is used remedially for its desiccative properties, the bodies of dropsical or rheumatic patients being entirely covered with it. Thus, much with reference to water itself, we will now turn to the aquatic productions, beginning, as in all other instances, with the principal of them, namely, salt and sponge. Chapter 39. The Various Kinds of Salt. The Methods of Preparing It and the Remedies Derived from It. 204 Observations Thereupon. All salt is either native or artificial, both kinds being formed in various ways, but produced from one of these two causes, the condensation or the desiccation of a liquid. The lake of Tarantum is dried up by the heat of the summer sun, and the whole of its waters, which are at no time very deep, not higher than the knee in fact, are changed into one mass of salt. The same too with a lake in Sicily, Cocinicus by name, and another in the vicinity of Gela. But in the case of these two last, it is only the sides that are thus dried up. Whereas in Phrygia and Cappadocia, and at Aspendus, where the same phenomena are observable, the water is dried up to a much larger extent, to the very middle of the lake, in fact. There is also another marvelous circumstance connected with this last. However much salt is taken out of it in the day, its place is supplied again during the night. Every kind of lake, salt is found in grains and not in the form of blocks. Sea water again spontaneously produces another kind of salt, from the foam which it leaves on shore at high water mark or adhering to rocks, this being, in all cases, condensed by the action of the sun, and that salt being the most pungent of the two which is found upon the rocks. There are also three different kinds of native salt. In Bactriana, there are two vast lakes, one of them situate on the side of Scythia, the other on that of Ariana, both of which throw up vast quantities of salt, so too at Chitsum in Cyprus, and in the vicinity of Memphis, they extract salt from the lake and dry it in the sun. The surface waters of some rivers also condense in the form of salt, the rest of the stream flowing beneath as though under a crust of ice, such as the running waters near the Caspian Gates, for instance, which are known as the rivers of salt. The same is the case, too, in the vicinity of the Marti and of the people of Armenia. In Bactriana also, the rivers Ocus and Oxus carry down from the mountains on their banks fragments of salt. There are also in Africa some lakes, the waters of which are turbid, 
that are productive of salt. Some hot springs, too, produce salt. Those at Pegasai, for example. Such, then, are the various kinds of salt produced spontaneously by water. There are certain mountains also formed of native salt. That of Oromenus in India, for example, where it is cut out like blocks from a quarry and is continually reproduced, bringing in a larger revenue to the sovereigns of those countries than that arising from their gold and pearls. In some instances, it is dug out of the earth, being formed there, evidently, by the condensation of the moisture, as in Cappadocia, for example, where it is cut in sheets, like those of mirror stone. The blocks of it are very heavy, the name commonly given to them being mica. At Jere, a city of Arabia, the ramparts and houses are constructed of blocks of salt, which are soldered together by being moistened with water. King Ptolemaeus discovered salt also in the vicinity of Pelusium when he encamped there, a circumstance which induced other persons to seek and discover it in the scorched tracks that lie between Egypt and Arabia beneath the sand. In the same manner, too, it has been found in the thirsting deserts of Africa, as far as the Oracle of Hammon, a locality in which the salt increases at night with the increase of the moon. The districts of Sirinaica are ennobled, too, by the production of Hamonaicum, a salt so called from the fact of its being found beneath the sands there. It is similar in color to the alum known as schiston, and consists of long pieces, by no means transparent, and of an unpleasant flavor, but highly useful in medicine. That being held in the highest esteem, which is the clearest and divides into straight flakes. There is one remarkable fact mentioned in connection with it. So long as it lies under the ground in its bed, it is extremely light. But the moment it is exposed to the light, it is hardly credible to what an extent its weight is increased. The reason for this is evident. The humid vapors of the excavations bear the masses upwards, as water does, and so aid the workmen. It is adulterated with the Sicilian salt, which we have mentioned as being found in Lake Coquinicus, as also with that of Cyprus, which is marvelously like it. At Egelesta, in nearer Spain, there is a salt hewn from the bed in almost transparent blocks, and to which for this long time past most medical men, it is said, have given the preference over all other salt. Every spot in which salt is found is naturally barren and produces nothing. Such are the particulars in general which have been ascertained with reference to native salt. Of artificial salt, there are several kinds, the common salt and the most abundant being made from seawater drained into salt pans and accompanied with streams of fresh water. But it is rain more particularly, and above all things, the sun, that aids in its formation. Indeed, without this last, it would never dry. In the neighborhood of Utica, in Africa, they build up masses of salt, like hills in appearance, and when these have been hardened by the action of the sun and moon, no moisture will ever melt them, and iron can hardly divide them. In Crite, however, salt is made without the aid of fresh water, and merely by introducing seawater into the salt pans. On the shores of Egypt, 
salt is formed by the overflow of the sea upon the land, already prepared for its reception, in my opinion, by the emanations of the river Nilus. It is made here also from the water of certain wells discharged into salt pans. At Babylon, the result of the first condensation is a bituminous liquid, like oil, which is used for burning in lamps. When this is skimmed off, the salt is found beneath. In Cappadocia also, both well and spring water are introduced into the salt pans. In Shaonia, there is a spring, from which the water of which, when boiled and left to cool, there is an inert salt obtained, not so white as ordinary salt. In the Gaelic provinces and in Germany, it is the practice to pour salt water upon burning wood. Chapter 40. Muria. In one part of Spain, they draw a brine for this purpose from deep sunk pits, to which they give the name of muria, being of opinion also that it makes a considerable difference upon what kind of wood it is poured. That of the quircus they look upon as the best, as the ashes of it, unmixed, have the pungency of salt. In other places, again, the wood of the hazel is held in high esteem, and thus we see, by pouring brine upon it, charcoal even is converted into salt. All salt that is thus prepared with burning wood is black. I find it stated by Theophrastus that the Umbri are in the habit of boiling ashes of reeds and bulrushes in water till there remains but little moisture unconsumed. The brine, too, of salted provisions is sometimes boiled over again, and as soon as all the moisture has evaporated, the salt resumes its original form. That prepared from the pickle of the maena has the finest flavor. Chapter 41 the various properties of salt, 120 historical remarks relative thereto. Of the various kinds of sea salt, the most esteemed is that of salamis in Cyprus, and of the lake salts, that of tarentum and the salt known as tatayan salt, which comes from Phrygia. These last two are also good for the eyes. That of Cappadocia, which is imported in small cubes, in parts of fine color, it is said, to the skin. But, for effacing wrinkles, that which we have already spoken of as the salt of chitsum is the best. Hence it is that in combination with jith, it is used by females as a liniment for the abdomen after childbirth. The drier the salt, the stronger it is in taste. But the most agreeable of all, and the whitest known, is that of terentum, in addition to these particulars, we would remark also that the whiter salt is, the more friable it is. Rainwater deadens every kind of salt, but dew water makes it more delicate in flavor. Northeasterly winds render the formation of salt more abundant, but while south winds prevail, it never increases. It is only while northeasterly winds prevail that flour of salt is formed. Neither the salt of Tragaza nor the Acanthian salt, so called from the town where it is found, will decrepitate or crackle in the fire, nor will the froth of salt do so, or the outside scrapings, or refined salt. The salt of Agrigentum resists fire, but decrepitates in water.
there are differences, too, in the color of salt. At Memphis, it is deep red, russet-colored in the vicinity of the Oxus, purple at Centuripa, and so remarkably bright at Gela, situate also in Sicily, as to reflect the image of objects. In Cappadocia, there is a saffron-colored fossil salt, transparent and remarkably odoriferous. For medicinal purposes, the ancients esteemed the salt of Tarentum in particular, and next to that, all the marine salts, those collected from sea foam more especially. For maladies of the eyes in cattle and beasts of burden, the salt of Tragesa and that of Boetica are employed. For made dishes and ordinary food, the more easily a salt liquefies and the moister it is, the more highly it is esteemed, there being less bitterness in salt of this description, that of Attica and Euboea, for example. For keeping meat, a pungent, dry salt, like that of Magara, is best. A conserve of salt is also made with the addition of various odoriferous substances, which answers all the purpose of a choice sauce, sharpening the appetite and imparting a relish to all kinds of food. Indeed, among the innumerable condiments which we use, the flavor of salt is always distinctly perceptible. And when we take garum with our food, it is its salt flavor that is considered so exquisite. And not only this, but sheep even, cattle, and beasts of burden are induced to graze all the better by giving them salt, it having the effect also of considerably augmenting the milk and imparting a superior flavor to the cheese. We may conclude, then, by Hercules, that the higher enjoyments of life could not exist without the use of salt. Indeed, so highly necessary is this substance to mankind, that the pleasures of the mind, even, can be expressed by no better term than the word salt, such being the name given to all effusions of wit. All the amenities, in fact, of life, supreme hilarity, and relaxation from toil, can find no word in our language to characterize them better than this. Even in the very honors, too, that are bestowed upon successful warfare, salt plays its part, and from it our word salaryuin is derived. That salt was held in high esteem by the ancients is evident from the Salarian way, so named from the fact that by agreement the Sabini carried all their salt by that road. King Encus Marcius gave six hundred modii of salt as a largesse to the people, and was the first to establish salt works. Varro also informs us that the ancients used salt by way of a relishing sauce, and we know from an old proverb that it was the practice with them to eat salt with their bread but it is in our sacred rites, more particularly, that its high importance is to be recognized, no offering ever being made unaccompanied by the salted cake. Chapter 42. Flour of Salt. Twenty Remedies. Salsugo. Two Remedies. That which mainly distinguishes the produce of salt works, in respect of its purity, is a sort of efflorescence, which forms the lightest and whitest part of salt. The name flower of salt is given also 
to a substance of an entirely different character, more humid by nature, and of a red or saffron color. A kind of rust of salt, as it were, with an unpleasant smell like that of garum, and differing therein not only from froth of salt, but from salt itself. This substance is found in Egypt, and as it would appear, is conveyed thither by the waters of the Nilus, though it is to be found floating upon the surface of certain springs as well. The best kind is that which yields a certain fatty substance like oil, for salt even, a thing that is quite marvelous to think of, is not without a degree of unctuousness. This substance is sophisticated and colored with red earth, or, in most instances, with powdered potsherds, an adulteration to be detected by the agency of water, which washes off the fictitious color, the natural color being only removable by the agency of oil. Indeed, it is for its color that perfumers more particularly make such extensive use of this drug. When seen in the vessels, the surface of it is white, but that which lies in the middle is moister, as already stated. It is of an acrid nature, calorific, and bad for the stomach. It acts also as a sudorific, and taken with wine and water, has a purgative effect upon the bowels. It is very useful also as an ingredient in a copa and in detersive compositions, and is remarkably efficacious for the removal of hairs from the eyelids. It is the practice to shake up the sediment in order to renovate the saffron color of the drug. In addition to these substances, there is another known in the salt works by the name of salsugo or salsalago. It is quite liquid, salter in taste than seawater, but inferior to it in its properties. End of section three. Recording by Melissa Kingsbury. Melissa Kingsbury VO dot com.